This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Hi, everyone, and welcome into the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Alongside me right now is John DeShazer of NewOrleansSaints.com, also radio analyst for the New Orleans Pelicans. And what a weekend it was for both the Saints and the Pelicans. So far, three for three as far as wins. Pelicans get the first two on Friday and Saturday night. And then how about that win for the Saints yesterday? 48-7 over the defending champs, and the Pelicans can make it four for four with a win over the San Antonio Spurs tonight and JD let's just start with the unbelievable win for the Saints you're facing the defending champs that game was probably circled on the calendar at the beginning of the year but didn't look like the defending champs but the Saints certainly look like a team that you don't want to mess with right now the Saints continue to stack up not just stack up wins but every game is a little bit better than the one before and all of them are really impressive so if you if you even go back to the Baltimore game at that time Baltimore was the best defense in the league and they you know, were, had just come off an 11-sack game, and they had the Saints at home, and the Saints handled them. And then they go and, you know, handle Minnesota. And then they, you know, kind of manhandle uh, uh, the Bengals. And then they manhandled the Rams, actually. Uh, everybody who steps in their way, they're just stepping over or stepping on. And it, it's really incredible to see. It, it's I can't think of a time where I've seen them play better, even the Super Bowl season. Yeah. They won the first 13 games of that season. But, man, they weren't dominating people like they have these last two or three games. You know, they had a lot of good fortune during that stretch. Uh, I remember the, the Meacham strip fumble recovery and return for a touchdown yeah. that won the game against the, the Redskins on the road. This They're just punching people in the face and nobody's able to respond. Uh, you mentioned the last three games, and I'm going to use the ESPN 30 for 30 voice. What if I told you that last three games, 144 points for the Saints – the Buffalo Bills all season long, 137. Just put that in perspective. That's that's, <laughs> that's silly. That's, I mean, that's that's like arcade numbers yeah. or something. It's silly. Um, they're they're running people out of the gym, you know, so to speak. I mean, just just embarrassing people, and and I don't I can't explain it. I think the last three games they're winning by an an, agri, an average score of like 48 to 19. You don't see that. Uh, on many levels of football, um, you might see that in like you know a. a, a I, I can't think yeah. of a time where you see that. I just no. can't think of a time where you see that. So it, it's it's really impressive. What's impressed me the most is, of course, you have the dominating running game of Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Of course, you have Michael Thomas. But in that first half, JD, where Michael Thomas doesn't get the ball that much, just because you know they're shading him and covering him a bunch. That how many different receivers caught a ball at least in the first half? I know there was definitely six. I think there was more than that at some point, but just the variety of different ways the Saints can score or get everyone on the offense going. I think that's what's scarier than just having some of the best weapons in the NFL. Well, that has always been the beauty of Drew Brees. If you get open, he'll get you the ball. So it doesn't matter if it's Dan Arnold or if it's if it's Traquan Smith. It doesn't matter if it's Austin Carr. It doesn't matter if it's Keith Kirkwood. He doesn't care. If you beat your guy, he's going to throw it to you. Now, there's going to be some clutch situations where he might just say, okay, this is going to Michael Thomas because we need a third and seven, and I don't care if he's doubled. I can count on him. But, man, he made some throws yesterday that really were things of beauty, and he had some guys who made some some really great catches. Traquan Smith's 38-yard reception down the middle was as good a catch as you will see. And then the touchdown that Trey Smith got, you know, he catches it, 
He knows he's going to get smacked really good. He takes the blow, holds onto the ball, uh, ends up with the touchdown. Uh, it this this team they've shown you now. Yeah, they went out and and signed Des Bryant. Des Bryant rushes the Achilles. They go and then they sign Brandon Marshall. So obviously they want to help out that receiver room, but it's not like they're desperate no. because <laughs> it's not like they're desperate because. You know, these guys who have practiced in this system, Drew Brees will get them the ball, and they're coming through. Speaking of Traquan Smith, would you consider that a breakout game for the rookie? Or how would you describe the way – because he, he played phenomenal yesterday. Yeah, he, well, he had a big game against against Washington, too. Yeah. Three, three catches, 111 yards, and two touchdowns. But yesterday, I think, yeah, because of not just not – just, I guess the volume of it, 10 catches. Yeah. And he caught a little bit of everything. It wasn't just, you know, he caught a couple of deep ones against the Redskins and, you know, and, and that kind of put the nail in the coffin. He he did a little bit of everything yesterday. We also know he can block downfield, and Sean Payton likes that because he's got running backs who, when those guys get to the second level, you need somebody downfield to make a block, and Traquan Smith is able to do that. But yesterday he really showed, okay, if you want to bracket Michael Thomas, if you want to, if you want to rotate everything over to Michael Thomas, you can get hurt by somebody else, and it can be him because he he can run pretty fast. He's got really good hands, and he's not afraid of the moment. He he hadn't been afraid of it at any point that we've seen him. And I want to go back to Drew Brees: four touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the second time he's done it this season. Now twenty three in his career, which passes Tom Brady for most in NFL history. And JD, he just keeps breaking records. But again, I think the zero interceptions because he is not making too many mistakes this year, and that's. One of the many thousand reasons why the Saints are nine and one right now. Yeah, I mean he he isn't even getting balls like deflected by by defensive no. backs. He's not giving them. You know, there I I can't think of a time this season where a DB has had his hands on the ball and dropped it where it should have been a pick. I mean, everything has been to either his guy or nobody, and that's all you can ask for. I mean, his accuracy is something to behold. He threw one to Michael Thomas on the left sideline yesterday. I don't know how it got through. I uh, got through two defenders yeah. actually, and I I got no idea. And then the touchdown he threw to Michael Thomas that was beautiful. Was just dropped out of a bucket. So I mean, he's playing phenomenal. He's in, you know, athletes always talk about the zone, and he might not admit it, but if he ain't in the zone, I don't know what it is that he's in. <laughs> but everybody ought to want to be in it. Coming up later on in the show, we'll talk Pelicans with Nancy Lieberman and Aaron Hardigan of Fox Sports New Orleans. But we continue to talk Saints here on the black and blue report. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball because we have to give props to them too, allowing just seven points to Carson Wentz and that Eagles offense really shut down that secondary. No really, nothing for Alshon Jeffrey, which was all Marshawn Lattimore. And JD, let's go to that secondary because I feel like you, for the first time, you really gave a chance for Marshawn Lattimore to go one-on-one -on -one yesterday, really shut down uh, Alshon Jeffrey. And then everyone else, Golden Tate was quiet. Nelson Aguilar was quiet. How about that secondary yesterday for New Orleans? Well, we know what Marshawn can do. I think Eli Apple has given him some some more balance in that secondary. Um, you know, and no offense to Ken Crawley, who was starting at that other cornerback position, but Eli Apple is a step up from Ken Crawley. And you don't have to be Superman on that other side, but you know, you, you can't be you can't be Robin. You can be Batman. <laughs> and I think they've got another guy over there who can run with Marshawn Lattimore. And now Marshawn Lattimore, if you can just isolate him on other on, on other guys, look, he's gonna he's not gonna win every battle, but you like your chances with him. He comes up with his first pick of the season yesterday. Uh, he already had two fumble recoveries earlier in the season. Uh, he, he when he shadows people, 
they know they've been shadowed. He he's uh, he's another guy who's full of confidence, you know, and he's not gonna back away. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's Julio Jones or Davy Jones. He don't care. He's gonna cover the guy. He's gonna make sure the guy felt that he was there. I think one's a little easier to cover. Yeah, Davey yeah, Jones Davey, than yeah, Davy. You know, maybe he can cover Davy and Davy Jones's locker. <laughs> <laughs> he probably don't want to go to the locker. No. <laughs> uh, that defensive line, uh, Sheldon Rankins continues to play really good ball. JD another sack yesterday, and just the way he does it with not only just a spin move, but he can use that power and that body just bulldoze right through the center or the offensive line. Um, Sheldon Rankins continues to impress. He's manhandling people. Uh, he's in a, another guy who's in a really good stretch. And this is what I think the Saints thought he would be when they when they drafted him. They said, you know, he's a good interior rusher. And this is what happens, I think, when one you've got Cam Jordan on the on the on the edge, and so there's attention paid there. And then Sheldon Rankins is able to do his stuff on the inside. And I don't I don't know if people have a good gauge of how strong he is, how quick he is, and how good his feet are. But they're learning because he's embarrassing people <laughs> up the middle. You put him on the center, and this is about three, four games in a row where he's basically just walked the center back into the quarterback's lap, and they've been helpless to do anything about it. Sheldon Rankin, he's dominating people on that interior. This main this question may not be fair just because of what this podcast is. This is a podcast for the Saints and the Pelicans, but right now I just have to ask JD: Is the Saints are the Saints the best team in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's only two teams to me that can make an argument. Um, one is Kansas City. They've got one loss. Yes. And the other is the Rams, which has one loss. But Very the Saints gave the Sam. Yep. The Saints gave the Rams their one loss. Yep. So, you know, I guess to me, Kansas City would be the only team that might have a viable argument. Uh, but for for what I'm seeing, and again, it's not just the winning. It's nine straight. But the Saints are are boat racing people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're beating people by by. By college scores, this is like, you know, no no offense, Vandy, but this is like Bama Vandy, you know. <laughs> I love how we start with no offense. Yeah, no offense. Every time you say no offense, then you're going to say something <laughs> offensive. But <laughs> but this is that kind of stuff. I mean, this is where, you know, they they are clearly superior to grown men who are good football players. The Bengals were five and three and coming off a bye. And had a home game, and the Saints beat them fifty-one to fourteen in their house. And then the Eagles are desperate. Mm-hmm. You know they need a win. They're four and five. They're defending champs. They're trying to get you know win their division, get back to the playoffs, and defend the, the Lombardi Trophy. They need a win. And the Saints beat those guys forty-eight to seven and called off the dogs. <laughs> in both games, they called off the dogs uh, and beat the Rams here forty-five thirty-five. Had 35 at halftime, had a little bit of a lapse, and then went ahead and put the put the rest down the stretch on them. You know, this doesn't happen in the NFL. The NFL is built for parity. It's built to even if you're even if you're nine and one, ten and one, you've probably won six, seven of them by one score. Yeah. Well, the Saints, the Saints are smacking people around. Yeah. I mean, so. This, I, to me, yeah, they're they're the best team in the league. Some Commodore fans listening right now going, "What the heck, man? <laughs> yeah, what do we do? Yeah. What are, what, hey, hey, hey! This is a, this is not an SEC podcast. What's going on here? Uh, JD, this is a short week for the Saints. Saint Thanksgiving, and of course, it's the rivalry with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, but before we get into the Falcons, what's the schedule like for the Saints because of the short week? How do they how do they deal with 
you know, recovery and then also game planning for a Falcons team that is reeling a little bit. But, you know, obviously you got to throw everything out the window when it's a rivalry game. Well, today's a rest day for the Saints. Tomorrow will probably be uh, their day where they will be, you know, we'll have access. But I doubt if it's going to be a traditional quote-unquote practice, probably more of a walkthrough. Uh, same with Wednesday before on Thursday's game. Because, you know, it's a it's a division rival. They've already played the Falcons. they got a ton of film on them. And that, that's the beauty of it, you know. The beauty of if you have to play a Thursday night game, and I think Thursday night games are just unfair across the board in the NFL. But if you got to play one, playing a division rival helps because you don't need to be on the field as much in terms of practice. Both teams need to be off their feet because this is such a violent game, <laughs> such a physical game. So the Saints will be off their feet, I'm pretty sure. Uh, again, they already know a whole lot about the Falcons. Falcons already know a whole lot about the Saints, although the Saints keep throwing wrinkles out there yeah. that people are going to have to defend against because now you've got Taysom Hill throwing passes and going out for passes. And catching passes. And now you've got Alvin Kamara lined up in the Wildcat. So those are things that you put on film that other teams have to beware of and have to be wary of. But, yeah, it'll, it'll be, I think, a light week in terms of actual practice I want to make sure guys are right physically. I know um, Andrews Pete was out of the game for a stretch yesterday. He was able to go back in. Uh, Larry Warford got checked for a concussion. He was able to go back in. So, you know, those are the things you want to have to, you know, you want to guard against. I know Drew Brees got banged around a little bit, you know, toward the end of it. And, again, it's just a physical game. But, you know, so both teams, Atlanta and the Saints, will probably spend as much time as they can off their feet because they understand each other mentally. Before I let you go, quick thought on Atlanta. Boy, they've struggled now. They were one and four, got back to five hundred at four and four. Now have lost two straight on the road against the Browns, and then the game that you needed against the Cowboys. You're trying to stay alive in the wild card race, but you you let you let the Cowboys get down there on the final drive, and then it's a field goal. But man, the Falcons are just reeling right now, JD. Yeah, they are. They're struggling. The, uh, the, you you would think. Now here it is. I think Julio Jones has caught a touchdown in three straight games. You would think that would yeah. have been the springboard to Atlanta coming to life because that was one of the things they were missing was Julio Jones getting into the end zone. But they're going the other way. And as much as they've gone the other way, they would like nothing better than to come here and, and break the Saints' nine-game winning streak. Uh, you're talking about a division rival. You're talking about two teams who I think genuinely do not like each other. I mean, it, no, I don't. don't. Yeah, I don't think this is 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 contrived. These folks genuinely don't like each other. So the Falcons want to come in here, and let's not forget the Saints beat those guys forty three to thirty seven overtime win, a walk off touchdown. Drew Brees with the with the dive over the top in overtime, and the Falcons want to come in. They the Falcons are looking at it like this: we not we might not be able to get there. It's going to be a struggle to get in the playoffs for them right now because they got to go on some kind of you know, five and one down the stretch yeah. or something. Or probably went out. Or pro yeah, probably went out. So they're thinking, you know, things ain't looking great for us right now, but we don't want you guys to be dancing. <laughs> Even if we can't, you know, we don't want you guys to be dancing, whether we get in or not. So they'd like nothing better than to come in here and break that winning streak. So I think, you know, I think it's going to be a pretty spirited game. You'd like to believe that the, if the Saints punch them hard enough early, that they might go away, but I don't think they're going to go away just because it's a division team, and those games are always hard. Especially when you know where the Super Bowl is being played this year, too. You know that's oh, going to be man. in the back if, of their mind. Oh, my goodness. If the Saints are playing in the Super Bowl in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Stadium, 
Look, they're going to be sick on the stomach. I mean, just not not green with envy. Uh, that with envy, they're going to be like throwing up in their mouths. I mean, they, they, I I can't imagine what now it'll be bliss over here, but yeah. <laughs> but they're going to be ticked off over there. Um, we'll have Nancy Lieberman and Aaron Hardigan in just a second talking about the Pelicans, but you'll be on the call tonight with Sean Kelly and the Pelicans also Jadine's homestand have been rolling. It took. It was a little tougher on Friday night, I think, against the Knicks than the Nuggets, which doesn't make any sense just based on who the Nuggets are. But you have Anthony Davis, who scores 83 points in less than 24 hours. He has a chance to get to 10,000 points tonight. Um, thoughts on Pelican Spurs? Spurs played last night against the Warriors, beat them in a back-to-back, so the Pelicans finally have a rest advantage. But obviously this will be big before you go on the road, a chance to go 8-1 and one at home, J.D. Well, the, the thing that Anthony Davis said the other night after, that, after the game, after the win against – the win against um who was the second game you just said? <laughs> after the, the win against the Nuggets he felt he said you know one they had felt like they owed Nuggets something and now they feel like they owe San Antonio something because San Antonio beat them earlier in San Antonio and so I think that'll help with the focus and we've seen when this team is focused if they're not out there kicking the ball around the first quarter they're going to give themselves a pretty good chance because they're not digging out of a hole I think they looked at the Knicks lineup and said they're starting three rookies. This should be a cakewalk. And they, I think they mentally exhaled. And the next thing you know, it's a dogfight the whole way. Whereas they looked at the Nuggets and said, okay, this is a good team coming in. They beat us at their place, even though AD didn't play in that game. But they beat us at their place. It was a game the Pels felt like they should have won. And they were kind of ticked off from the beginning. And they played with a, a sense of force. And I think they'll do the same thing against the Spurs. Now, sometimes this team is a little – split personality so you don't necessarily know but I think they will come out and play that way against the Spurs I hope so because the Spurs are a team even though they've been a couple times this year where they've looked like straight hot garbage but when they are playing the way the Spurs can play and passing the basketball and sharing the basketball and making you move defensively they can make you look bad yes they can JD this is your fourth game in four days I will bring a ton of coffee caffeine ready for you to go tonight as you uh I guess crawl your way here to the finish, but it'll be worth it if it's four for four come tonight. I've, I've I can't recall a stretch like this ever, to be honest with you, in this city, uh, especially now that we've got the two pro sports teams. But I don't, I can't think of a time ever that it's been like this. So it's been exciting. It's been four four games in four days, which is somewhat exhausting, but it's been fun yeah. too because we're talking about we're looking at two good teams and we're looking at some pretty good games. Uh, from the home standpoint, anyway. So, uh, so yeah, it's been pretty invigorating, to be honest with you. It's, it's been nice. What's scary is that there's another one coming December 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st. I just wanted to throw it out Well, it's, it's good that we got the prep for it. Yeah, now, exactly. we, now we know exactly what to expect, and, we, and we're ready for it. All right, J.D., talk to you tonight at the Smoothie King Center. Yes, sir. Well, this day keeps getting better and better. Time to talk Pelicans here on the Black and Blue Report. Joining us now are two members of the Fox Sports New Orleans crew, Aaron Hardigan and Hall of Famer Nancy Lieberman. What a day. What a treat. At JD in studio first. Now you two. It's a big weekend. Y'all went to the Saints game yesterday, correct? We did. We did. And it was great to see my fantasy quarterback leading the charge in person. He did it for you, you know. You know what's crazy? You're like looking. When you watch him in person, you're like, he's like the smallest guy on the field and he is just slinging it. Like most accurate quarter, you're like this dude's a legend, and he's like the smallest guy out on the field. I love it. Yeah, it's yeah, unbelievable. He's one of the smartest guys I've seen. You know, I even watched him. I guess I can say this because I'm older, but when he was at Purdue, I mean, he's just smart. How he he talks to his players, how he nurtures them, 
how he, you know, holds them to a task. And he's just a great leader who's humble and backs up what he says. Those are those Austin Westlake roots, though, of course. Of course. <laughs> Go Chaps. So you all picked a great time to come in for the weekend. You all were here on Friday night or Saturday night as well for the game against the Nuggets. And then you all get to see a Saints game yesterday. And then here you are again today, Pelicans and Spurs. Y'all have a different pregame show format now, right? Y'all are on the court, it looks like, when you all come here. Pregame, halftime, postgame, it's a lot of fun. I like it. I mean, some of the other networks that I've worked with over the years, we had always been down on the court. You get a, a grasp of people. And it also allows you to have those relationships with players, which is so important because they get to know who you are. Like the other night when David and I were talking to the guys in the layup line, like mid-show, and David's trying to get AD, like an impromptu appearance on the show, which I thought was great, which we're going to make happen tonight, by the way, right? Courtesy we, we of are. you. We are. <laughs> I mean, it's a big game tonight. It, it It's huge. And, and really, our producer, Harrison Montgomery, uh, the G that he is, wants this to essentially to be like the AD pregame oh, show because that's the 35 away I know. We're putting our call in. Julius put his in. Did you see the other night? He did, did put his call in after the game. He's he's calling tonight. He said next game. Next and game. And walked off. <laughs> and it, next game, mic drop, right? Yeah. He's he's calling it. And, I mean, gosh, the, he put back-to-back 40-point games. Um, I think he's had, like, three of the last four in- yeah. instances in which there have been back-to-back 40-point games. No big deal. Which means this should happen tonight then, right? I mean, you can only – we would only think that. Great, great players. It's like LeBron walking into Miami and – putting down 51 yesterday. Great players have a sense of theater. They have a sense of purpose. They understand what's in front of them. And I'm sure, you know, AD knows that he's close. And he'll be able to get it, first of all, within the flow of the game, he'll get it. And because of the pace of the game, he, he there's so many more possessions for him to have the opportunity. And I just love how Alvin Gentry uh, is utilizing him on the offensive side of the ball. Nancy, do players think about that kind of stuff when they're playing? I know some might say, oh, I'm just trying to go out there and play. But do you think in the back of their head, knowing that he has this milestone coming up, do you think that he'll think about that during this game? Or is he try to wipe that away? Well, it's not that you think about it. You know it's there. I mean, I can tell you from personal experience, I understand, you know, there's so many people talking and chattering about, you know, you need four more rebounds or, you know, three more points. It's it's not what you set out to do, but within kind of the scope of your work, you know, I scored 50 points one game and my teammates were feeding me the ball because they wanted to get me to 50 points. So there's an understanding that he's going to get this mark. I mean... 10K is 10K, right. and what is he still, 25 years old? Yeah, he'll be the uh, eighth youngest to do it. It's crazy. LeBron, LeBron was only 23. Only 23. <laughs> Just a mere 23 years old when he did it, but he's the youngest. But, but yeah, I mean, it'd be, I mean, come on, it'd be great to, to get the standing O on the home floor, so right. you, you can bet his teammates will be feeding him tonight. And you talked to Julius Reynolds about maybe a nickname for both of them, <laughs> and he said unstoppable. I need your help with this. Like, we need to come up with something. I do like unstoppable. Right. But I think we could get a little little more creative. I think that's why we have the listeners here to kind of help us out. We'll kind of make it a poll thing. What what should be the name for Randall and, and Davis? You can even throw Nico out there. I mean, they're the kind of big three. So the fact that we saw them play on the court together for a little bit the other night, I mean, we should get a, a nickname for them. Absolutely. And I even asked Julius, too. You know, I said, you're you're playing perhaps the best basketball of your career right now. And, and he looks like he's having so much fun doing it. And I asked him how much of that is New Orleans and playing with these guys. And I think he's found himself a nice fit here 
in the Crescent City, huh? You, you know, I, I've known Julius. Um, he grew up in Dallas, so our mm-hmm. kids know each other, played ball against each other. But the one thing that I can tell you, again, as an athlete and then as a coach, when you feel valued and you feel like whatever you do actually means something to your team, when somebody cuts you loose, you have the ability, when you're a player, to pay people back and to say, you shouldn't let me go because I could have been a part of what you were doing. But on the bright side, you get a chance to show out. It, it, you know, you have maybe four contracts potentially in your NBA career. And Julius is on his second contract no. right now. He probably has one, maybe two left in his career. This is a big stepping stone from here to maybe getting close to a max deal or somewhere up there that changes his family for generational wealth and for the love of the game. He's an unbelievable guy. Yes. You know, he's a great father. You know, he, he's a great athlete. He's really a, a good, you know, humanitarian type of guy. But he's a beast. Don't let his niceness, you know, kind of trick you yeah. because he's going to get down there and play bully ball with you. And he's in a place now with coach where you can put him down on the block. You can pop Anthony out. You can pull Julius and let him come down in transition. So you're seeing his, you know, you, you know when we talk about baseball players, a five-tool player, yeah. there's really not much Julius Randle can't do. So put Nico into that consideration, and how do those three complement each other when on, they're on the court? Because we've seen spurts of it. I think we might see more, but how do those three complement each other on the court? Well, they complement each other because pretty much they have obliterated what we used to call weak side defense. Mm-hmm. So if you run Julius or you run Nico or you know some uh, Alfred uh, uh, Drew off screen roll, and you put Nico in that far corner, that guy is gonna he can't leave the corner three shooter. So now these two, one can dive, and now it's a read and react. And if the the defender goes over the screen, then Anthony can just dive to the basket. If somebody goes under the screen, you can walk them down or you can pick and pop. It just gives you so many more options to, to spread the floor and to just be able to play in space and not in, as we call it, uh, a meeting of three. And I want to get your thoughts on this, Daniel, being around the team daily. Um in talking to Nico and Julius, even a guy like Jaleel Okafor, mm-hmm. they've all mentioned the camaraderie yeah. of this group. The fact that, hey, we actually hang out together yeah. on and off the floor. And after practices, they they sit in the locker room, they shoot the breeze, or they yeah. stay after and play one another. And a lot of those guys said they came from environments prior where right. that wasn't the case. Yeah. And I think you're seeing that translate on the floor. Absolutely. You can definitely tell with this team that they all play for one another. And that goes with that what Alvin Gentry wants with this fast-paced offense is unselfishness. 30 mm-hmm. assists per game is kind of that goal for this team and they want to play for each other because they know if they do that everyone's going to get theirs and that's I guess the main thing that's harder on other teams is everyone wants to get their piece and put up their numbers but if you play team basketball like they have been doing then everyone's going to get it which I think makes it so special and now with Alfred Payton out I think you're going to see other guys step up so I guess Aaron I'll start with you as far as who needs to be that person or how do the Pelicans manage because we don't know necessarily how long he's going to be out but if he has surgery it's going to be a little bit of time. How did the Pelicans bounce back after not having Alfred, which is a shame because they played so well with him in the first four games? Well, and it is a shame because you'd like to see Drew at the two, but man, has Drew manned the one in place of Alfred. I think you look no further than the leadership of the two cornerstones of the team in Drew and AD. And, and we talked about that the other night, Nance, on, on the pregame show, the importance of a guy like Drew Holiday in terms of not just his play, but his leadership. In fact, when Minnesota came with that Butler offer and Pels didn't even entertain it, right. That spoke volumes about how important Drew is to this team, right? 
Well, Drew obviously took his game to uh, a different level, not just for the fans, for guys who were playing against him in the league. I mean, he, he's no joke. He's at that all-star level now. So he understands what he has to bring night after night. And you know what the fact of the matter is? In, in the NBA now, you have to be able to play multiple positions. It's a different mentality to be a, a point guard and to have to under, understand time score possession, how to make sure, you know, when in doubt, stay out and keep things moving, the ball moving. And, you know, he's basically a slasher. Yeah. So that means sometimes it, the ball sticks. But with this understanding that I have to make sure the ball is turning over and we're getting second side action, he's, he's sacrificing a lot, but his numbers are not sacrificing. But, and do you, do you notice that too with, with, with Drew? And it, it, again, for those that are maybe listening in and, and don't understand the, the, the Minnesota reference there, but uh, the Timberwolves yeah. came to New Orleans with an yeah. offer, Jimmy Butler for Drew Holiday right. and maybe a few other pieces. And yeah. Pell said, absolutely not. Yeah. And, and I know you covering Drew daily – what do you see as far as you know just the the importance that the important role he plays well not only does he do it on the offensive end but everyone of course talks about his defense and you look at the last three games or as far as the first last five games as far as what his numbers were against Devin Booker what Devin Booker couldn't do against the Pelicans what Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry couldn't do and the other night it was Jamal Murray that defensively I don't know how he keeps up the energy knowing that for most nights he's guarding the best guy on the other team and then also has to run point and also run the offense it's just for me and Nancy, maybe you can figure out who else that kind of reminds you of, but just it's someone that they talk about the best two-way players in the game. Drew has to be up there, don't you think? Well, he definitely is. And you have to remember in today's offense, there could be six pick and rolls on yeah. one offensive series because you're running off a of double staggers, you're running off a of dribble handoffs, you're running off a of high screens, uh, shake screens. I mean, so he's getting bounced around. Uh, the one thing about Drew, he's got this tenacity. You know, defense is about mindset. Offense is multiple actions. Defense is multiple efforts. And you can see, like, once you get screened, boom, he's still fighting through, you know, to meet the guy where the guy is going. Because the ball really tells you is the answers to the quiz and tells you where you have to go. And, and Drew is just so unbelievable with his uh, tenacity and willingness to go after guys. Uh, quite frankly, on the ball, he's amazing. Off the ball, he's really, really good. Let's talk about, before I let you all go, a couple things. First, how the Pelicans are playing at home, and you all are going to see it more and more the more you guys come in, do your pregame, halftime, and postgame on the court, but even the energy inside that arena. This team is 7-1 and one at home, and last year they had the same record at home than they did on the road. Granted, the road record was great, but obviously Alvin Gentry's put an emphasis on protecting home court, and they certainly have done that so far, Aaron. Well, you got to win. The, the home games is what you always say. Co coach here, big three mm -hmm. champion, head coach and Hall of Famer Nancy Lieberman preaches on the show is that, I mean, th those are the ones you have to you have to get. And then you're at least 500, and then whatever you get on the road is is nice. But, um, it, you know, and I think the fans, the, the atmosphere, we saw, we got a taste of what this city could be uh, in terms of a basketball city last year in the postseason, mm -hmm. right? The, the sea of red and, and just the, the energy that it provided this team through the playoffs, um, and I think you're seeing that carry over into this season with the, the home court advantage now. Fans have a responsibility. It's called the home court for a reason, and the fans have that effect just going to the Dome and or Mercedes-Benz uh, arena. Yeah. And 
you, you know, in tennis, it's so important. You can't win without holding your serve. Mm -hmm. uh, ask Federer, ask Serena, ask Martina. You must hold serve because on the other guy's serve, you don't know what's coming at you, right? Right. Uh, when you're playing a sport like this, any sport for that matter, you must take care of business at home and establish your supremacy. And it becomes, uh, uh, you know, players look at the schedule and go, damn it, we got we to gotta go to New Orleans. And those, the crowd is crazy, like they do in Portland or yeah. some other arenas, Oklahoma you know, City, uh, yeah. Oklahoma City yeah. or, or Oracle, because you know that people are right on top of you. You know they're going to kind of get in your ear. Look, I've well, been Well, we know the city can get rowdy, right? Yes. It's great to see that rowdiness finally backing yeah. basketball. But you don't know what it's like to be in a huddle and people are yelling and screaming and you don't... I'm going to tell you this. When David Wesley and I were coaching in the D-League mm -hmm. and I was coaching the Mavs team and David was my assistant, I'd be in the huddle and it at home it was like crazy loud and I knew it was bothering the other coaches. And I'd be drawing up the play and we're in a coaches meeting one day and we're watching film and I'm like David turn turn that down just turn the noise and the music down and he goes coach I can't it's in the game and I'm like they play that during the game yeah. <laughs> and he goes you're kidding me I go they play music in the arena where we play and he goes are you joking with me? It's like when You've it's so your people, it mm -hmm. yeah. you are so locked in, but when you're in another arena, mm -hmm. you're going bananas because right. you can't concentrate, and you know the players can't concentrate. So it, it really becomes an advantage to walk into this building and, I mean, have a Mardi Gras, you the know, blender. six times Let's a day. Let's make it the blender. Let's actually back that up. No, I mean, hey, and, and I think, it, like you said, the fans have a role, and they are fulfilling that so far this year. Yep. All right, before I let you all go, quick thoughts on San Antonio. They're coming in on a back-to-back, -back, but they also just beat the Golden State Warriors last night. And you also owe them one after a rough go on that five-game road trip. Might have been one of the worst games for the Pelicans just because they were really never in it with San Antonio. So, Nancy, I'll start with you. Just a quick thoughts on how the Pelicans can sweep this three-game homestand against San Antonio tonight. For me, there's no doubt that they can uh, win this basketball game because if, if you take uh, LaMarcus Aldridge out of it, that's the key. He had a great game last night. He really hasn't played very well. Rudy's a little banged up at this point. The, the, the beauty of the Spurs' past is that nobody was better in the last seven seconds of the shot clock, so they're using most of that. Mm -hmm. So the other team is going to lose some possessions during the course of a game. They don't turn it over, maybe 11, 12, 13 times a game, so they're not giving you the ball, and you have to generate your own offense. I would match up every position right now and say we have you know, the high side on the personnel matchups they just don't have the veterans, and they they were besieged by injury. You know, uh, I mean, look at all the players that have been yeah. injured. And I think uh, uh, Davis Beertons, yeah. I think he might be still in uh, concussion protocol. This should be a win. This yeah. is these are the games you must win. This is a team that's not as good as you. You have to take care of it on your home court. I just can't wait to have Sean Elliott on our pregame show. Is he playing tonight? tonight? Sean, Sean <laughs> fresh. Off, I'm I'm sure Pop could use him. Uh, uh, Sean is actually fresh off the uh, college basketball Hall of Fame uh, induction, which will be great. But um, I have to throw this out there on the Pels podcast. Last year, remember the ongoing debate was Boogie and AD or Tim and David. 
Sean Elliott was the only one of our analysts who actually chose AD and Boogie. He's a huge Anthony Davis fan. Can't wait to see what he thinks of AD and Julius together tonight and uh, whether he would still take AD over Tim. Well, I have, I have to tell you, I mean, you're, 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 you're talking about two guys, four guys, Hall of Famers, you know, uh, both, you know, yeah. you, you can't go wrong on any of them. It, it'll play out. You never really got to see what DeMarcus Cousins can do. Look, I coached him in Sacramento. I had never seen a, a man like that. You know, I used to call him like a freight train yeah. who was a ballerina. His footwork was amazing. And he really has a tremendous desire. So to have those two I mean, they can get you 60 and 30 every single night. So I can't go against what Sean was saying. I just saying. love throwing out the fact that the guy that played with Tim and David was going with Anthony Davis. Yeah. So he's looking forward to seeing him tonight. And I think even Sean, I think I think as a basketball fan, you're rooting for that 10K for him. Oh, for sure. And let's hope that happens tonight. You all will be all over it. Pre-game, halftime, post-game on the court. Confetti, Yell at them, say hello. beignets. <laughs> yeah. We got everything. It'll I have be like a Mardi Gras party if it happens. Yeah. Selfie, yeah. Selfies, selfies beginning at 6.30 on so, the floor. And I'll be we'll like, Aaron, watch out. <laughs> Who am I? I mean, yeah, we got the Hall of Famer Sean Elliott and David Wesley joining me at 630, so it should be fun. All right, and it'll be awesome watching you all and seeing you all more here all season long, so I appreciate you stopping by. Well, thank you for having us slash putting up with us. No problem. All right, that'll do it for today's podcast. Again, Sean will have the Wednesday podcast with Benjamin Watson, but come to the Smoothie King Center tonight, 7 o'clock. Aaron and Nancy will have pregame starting at 630. I'll have it on the radio side as well. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.